I wasn't planning to start with this, uh, with this illustration, but um, I remember when, uh, he's not here, when Javi was a lot younger, he was our firstborn, and we were not uh, ready for the messes that children create. Um, and so there was one particular mess in particular that I remember. And as a parent, if you've had kids, you remember the first time this happened. But you, you just happened to be doing life as normal. A little guy or a little girl was sleeping in the bed. All of a sudden, uh, you, go to the, you go check on them, and then you, you see uh, what can only be described as a mud uh, mess all over the bed. And then you quickly realize that it's not mud but he has or she has pooped out of their diaper and has created one of those messes that you cannot describe. Can anybody relate to one of those? And if you haven't, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. Now, I, have you ever gone to one of those messes or experienced something like that and just didn't know, did not know where to begin the cleanup? You thought about, man, let, let me just throw out the whole bed. There's no fixing. This mattress has no redeeming. <laughs> There's no way to redeem this thing right now. You just didn't know where to begin. Have you ever had a mess that big? A mess when, when you looked at it, it was just, you, you just kind of taken back and you're like, I can't, I can't clean this up. There is just no way. You don't know where to start. You want, usually when there's a mess like that, I yell for my wife. I'm like, babe, help me. What you want me to do? Hold his legs. Do something. You don't bring me some wipes. But we try to tackle those things together. But I really believe that it is the mess uh, that we create that gives us an avenue, an avenue to experience, oh, excuse me, this thing is falling, that gives us an avenue to experience God. And so today, Oh, that's kind of short there. Who was using this? Aaron? He's tiny. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but I do believe that. And last week, I wanted to leave you with a thought that, that I think I forgot to, and it's this. And hopefully we can, we can say it all together after you see it up on the screen. And it says that I know, I, am, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. I know a mess when I see one. Because in reality, I am one. And so if somebody were to look in close to your life and see past the exterior that everybody gets to see here at church and the smiles and you're smelling good and you're well-dressed today and your hair's all done for the most part, for those of you with hair, then, then, then we could look past that. But for, for, for a lot of us, if we got an opportunity to see deep within or, or spend a couple of days with you, we would soon realize that your life, like our life, has messes. And it's the thing that brings us all together. And it is the thing that I believe brought God near to us. We often say in the, in the midst of our messes that they're, well, have, you know, of course we're going to have messes there because nobody's perfect. Uh, and when you say that nobody is perfect, you are acknowledging that there is a perfect that nobody is. When you say I'm not perfect, you're saying, well, there is a perfect. There is a standard that I'm not meeting. I'm not perfect, huh? But simultaneously, you are saying there is a standard, and I maybe not be able to call it Christianity. I might not be able to say that it's God. I might not believe that it is. We believe that it is, but you may be in, in that part of your journey where you might think differently, and that's okay. But there is a standard that nobody is. And what is that? What is that I ought to, but I never do? What is that I ought to work out, but I don't? I ought to be nicer, but sometimes I'm not. I, I ought to commit myself, but I don't. When we acknowledge our mess, we are baby steps away from acknowledging God. Has there ever been, again, a problem that you've tried sweeping under the rug? 
or there was a problem or an issue too big that you didn't know how to tackle, so therefore you ignored it. Think about, think about that thought. There is a problem so big that I'm just going to choose to ignore it. Think about what that means. There is a problem so big in my life. I have, I have this mess in my life that it's so big that I'm going to choose because it is so difficult. I'm going to choose not to do anything about it. So my, my finances are a mess, so I'm going to choose to pretend I don't have financial issues and just keep living life. Do we see how that could possibly lead you in a negative way? Or you have marriage problems, and because you have marriage problems, the decision that you make is, I'm just going to be quiet and be silent and not do anything about that, ignore and hope that it goes away. Do you see the irony? Do you see how, how that's possibly not the best decision to make? Have you ever ignored your conscience? Have you ever ignored that little voice in your, in your head that said, hey man, you should not do that, or you should do that? Have you ever ignored an advice, some, uh, advice for somebody that's wiser than you? And, and, and wise doesn't always mean older, but generally speaking, somebody who's lived more life than you, has experienced more things than you, ha- has walked down that path. And we talked about the path a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about having a, a place where we want to go, but then in our lives, we're going the complete opposite direction. So we said, hey, if you want to end up at A, you can't head to B and explain, expect to be at A, right? You have to be on the right path. Uh, the mess that brings us together is the mess that brings God near. And, and, and there is a verse in Scripture that, that articul- articulates this best. And it's the, probably the most known verse in the New Testament. And it's John 3.16. So John, John 3.16, right? Um, thank you. I'm um, sorry for all you non-Gator fans. Don't take that personally. I know, I know the rivalry runs deep, so... I didn't mean to exclude you guys. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent his only begotten son to address our mess. There is a verse right after John 3.16. And that's what I want to talk about today. That doesn't get much play. That you won't see people putting under their eyes or you won't hear about too much. But if I had to um, pick a verse, um, and I'm not, but if I had to pick a verse that um, spoke to who we want to be as a church and in the heart of who we are, it is the following verse. And it reads like this, John 3, 17. And it said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He sent God to address our mess, not to condemn our mess. You don't have to have it all together to come to God. God came not to condemn your mess, but to save you from your mess. Not to walk in, not, not that you would take him into the mess with you, but that he could lead you out of the mess. God is here today, and it's the same invitation for you to follow him out of your mess. Jesus didn't love the collective mess of the world alone. It's not that he just loved the whole entire world and therefore not loving us individually, but God loved us one mess at a time and offered us a surprising invitation. I'll give you a couple examples. At the temple, and I've preached on this before, he encountered a woman who was just caught in the act of adultery and she was dragged, most likely naked, to the temple courts and she was being accused and she was being, getting ready to be stoned and she was in a mess. 
Uh, she had made a mess of her marriage through the adultery. She had made a mess of her reputation by getting caught. She was in what we would consider a big old mess. But what Jesus does is surprising. And what the people that followed the law, the Pharisees did, uh, was, was so different than what Jesus did. Jesus got down, looked at her right in the eye. He said, look at me. And he said to her, I do not condemn you. Now leave your life of sin. Jesus got down eye to eye and said to this woman, I do not condemn you. I believe that that's the heart of God towards us. There's another example. There was a, a tax collector, <coughs> uh, and, and the reasons that tax, tax collectors were, are portrayed as evil in Scripture, there's kind of two types of, of sinners. They are uh, all the bad sinners, the adulteries, the liars, the murderers, and then there's another category, the tax collectors. And the reason the tax collectors are such a big deal in Scripture is because they would literally steal from their own people. They would overtax their own people. They would work for the Roman government, and they would tax the people more that they should be taxed. And Jesus extends them an invitation and said to, to this tax collector, hey, come with me, follow me. And not just follow me, but let's go to your house and let's go have dinner with your people. Isn't that such a start or, or such a difference from the sometimes God that we're portrayed that is too, too, too uh, uh, holy, if you would, for lack of a better term, or too isolated not to be able to mingle in the messes of people. It's like we, we think of God and we think, well, he's on this side. There's no way that he will come into my, my messy life and he would interact with me and be, and be okay with me and love on me because my life is such a mess. Well, I'm here to tell you that God came to address the mess. He, didn't, he doesn't run away from your mess. You don't have to run away from God when you feel you're messy on the inside or you have issues that are, that are not resolved. Your shoelaces aren't all tied perfectly. Your house is not perfectly in order. Your marriage is not all right. Your finances are a mess. Your thought life is a mess. Your physical life. I'm here to tell you that God still can draw near and loves and would love to draw near to you. But he looked at this tax collector and said, hey, we're going to your house. Invite your friends. Leave your life of sin. And he did that. And he made restitution with the people that he had stolen from. And he paid them double, uh, more than the law required. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. Then he said to a Samaritan woman at the well, a woman who had made a mess of her life, right? Who had such a mess that, uh, you know, that, 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 that she knew internally that she was a mess. She had been married five times. The guy she was with was not even her husband. And then Jesus shows up and says, come close to me. Well, why would Jesus say, come close to me? She's a Samaritan woman. Jewish people, Samaritan women, they, 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 Samaritans, they don't get along. But Jesus, being Jesus, addressed the mess, stepped into the mess and said, I will quench the thirst you've been trying to quench your entire life with these men. And you have not been able to quench that thirst. And he said, I am here. Draw close to me and I will give you water that will quench your thirst. This woman was in a mess. She was so excited after, after an encounter with Jesus that she went into town and began to tell all the people who she had met. That is very different from the God that sometimes is presented to us by people in places like this standing uh, with a microphone strapped to their head. Finally, uh, a criminal. Towards the end of his life, Jesus was hanging on a cross, and there was a guy right next to him. A guy right next to him that knew that he was wrong, that knew that he deserved to be on the cross. 
He knew that Jesus didn't deserve to be on the cross, but he knew, hey, man, we know, I know I'm supposed to be here. And Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Today, with just one sentence, with just a couple of words, Jesus embraced them and welcomed him in. He didn't have to get his life together. He didn't have any time to get his life together. He had but a moment. To which us religious people say, wait a minute, wait, I've been living all my life trying to be holy and trying to do the right thing and be kind and nice to people. And this guy gets in with 0.2 seconds on the shot clock. That's not fair. <laughs> well, it would be fair to you if you were the guy hanging on the cross and you were just pleading for mercy and saying, God, don't forget me. Don't forget me. And Jesus addresses the mess and says, today you will be with me. In paradise, and Jesus invites messy people like you and me to follow him while they are still messy. So, my question is there a mess in your life still? And is that, is that keeping you from pushing into God or from walking in his direction? And I would tell you today that is the furthest thing you should do. That's like having a big problem and deciding to ignore it. I'm here to tell you that you should walk in God's direction. Does that mean you're going to get everything right right away? No, but that means you're walking in the, look, I'd much rather you walk in the right direction and get your path going in the right direction than just say, you know, that's too far away. Acquiring that or being that kind of man or that kind of woman, uh, that's too far away from me. I would much rather just start walking this way with you, hand by hand, let's figure it out together. Then you say, nah, that church thing ain't for me, that Jesus thing, nah, that God thing, no. I'll just walk the other way. No, I'd rather walk with you. No timeline. You don't have to change. I don't have a hell to send you to. It's not mine. I will love you through it. We will love you through it, hand in hand, right? Because I believe that Jesus is the one that we should follow, and he extended that invitation to us. In John 8, 12, he says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. I will show you the way forward. I am the way out. He is the light in the darkness, right? And then he says, whoever follows me. Now, you didn't follow me into your mess, but if you let me in, he will lead you out. If you follow me, then he makes this promise. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. And sometimes we want an instant fix out of our mess that took us, uh, uh, that took us time to get in. We want a quick mess, to a, a quick deliverance or a quick fix to our mess, but that's just not the, the truth. If you're in a big hole financially, guess what? It's going to take some time to get out of that hole, that financial hole. If, if you haven't uh, had any spiritual disciplines in your life and, and, and all of a sudden you want to try to pray for a couple minutes, it's going to be hard. You haven't read the Bible in a long time, and now you're going to try to crack it open. <laughs> it's going to take a minute. Well, in this case, you just got to turn it on, right? It's going to take a minute for you to get disconnected and unplugged from all the distractions of life and get back into a habit of, of silence and getting into the Word and, and learning from God or, or being quiet for just a couple of minutes so you could pray and say, God, I have not. Your Word says I have not because I ask not. So I'm going to take a couple of minutes and ask fix my husband or I will kill him. You know, something, at least get, at least start walking in the direction of prayer, right? Walking, facing. But it starts with those kind of prayers. And then as you begin to pray, then all of a sudden the Lord starts showing you that it's not your husband or your wife, that it's you. And you're like, I ain't praying no more. Forget that. 
<laughs> but we do that. We start getting convicted of our sin, and maybe I'm selfish, or maybe it's me, and it's not him or her, or maybe I, there's some things I should fix, and all of a sudden, you start changing because the Lord starts teaching you, but that didn't happen on day one. That happened as a result of you putting yourself in a position where, where prayer was a, became a habit in your life. But if you don't have that, then you're all the way back here, and all you do is point the fingers at everybody in your life. I don't have no money because of him, and I don't got no peace because of her, and I don't got no job because of them. No, no, wait a minute. All of a sudden, God starts messing with you. You start realizing that it's a lot of the issues are on the inside of you. Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 says this, everyone who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And through the Gospels, Jesus invites his, the people to follow him. And not just to follow him and hear the words, but to follow him and change their life. To follow him and now become doers of the word. Because it's one thing you hear the message, but it's one thing that you begin to, excuse me, apply the message. It is one thing for you to sit here and check it off on a Sunday. Well, I sat there. And I was quiet. I kept my kids quiet. I'm just such a good Christian, right? I got dressed. I even got here on time. Pastor, did you see me? Got here at 10, 20. No, service starts 10, 15. But all right. I appreciate that. And we're here and we're sitting down and we're, we feel like we're doing such an honorable thing because we made it to church. Listen, you need an environment like this. You and I need a place where we could just decompress and say, I don't have to act here. I came to listen. I came because I'm in need. I came because I need direction. I came because I'm empty. I came because I need people who are in messes like me to show me that it's possible for God to get me out of the mess that I am in. And you may not ever articulate your mess because that takes time. You may never come out and say, I am a mess or I have a mess or I need help with my mess. My marriage is... Mm. Right? I mean, you may not, you might send your representative to greet everybody. Hi, we're doing good. God bless you. How are you? Yeah, high five up top. But inside, you're hurting, right? But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Following Jesus, part of following Jesus is agreeing, it's agreeing with him when he said things like, Everyone who hears my words but puts them into practice. You see, when you, when you begin to, part of following Jesus is agreeing with the way that Jesus teaches to do life. So when he says forgive one another, guess what? Uh, that's an application. I need to begin to forgive one another. When he says it is better to give than to receive, or maybe I should start practicing and giving. Maybe, maybe when it says uh, turn the cheek, if someone tries to hit you on this side, turn to them this side, then maybe I should think about what that means. When, when he talks about being selfless and, and being giving and being charitable and, and then being a little conscious about the people that are around you, and we, we, we can't just hear those things and ignore them. We need to apply them in our lives and become doers of the word. That's what makes, that's what makes Jesus followers different than just a Jesus hearer. You can be a, a Jesus hearer from a distance. I'm hearing what Jesus says through that person. I'm hearing what Jesus says through that person. And I'm hearing what Jesus says through that person. But, but no, 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 no. I have, I have his words uh, on my iPad. I can hear them from myself. And not just, I cannot just hear them from myself. Now I have a place where I can practice them. And you and I have places to practice them. First of all, starting in your house. Where else, where, what other place, what better place to show unconditional love than to your spouse? Uncon what better place to show unconditional love than to your children? 
What better place to learn patience, Lord have mercy, than with that person that you love so much but at the same time hate so much? How does that happen? I love you, but I want to fight you. What, what, in what world, right? Where do we learn those? What better environment? I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember when I was in college, and I may have shared this story before. When I was in college, uh, I had a roommate named John. He want, ended up being my best man at my wedding. Uh, Larry and Quincy were my groomsmen, two of my groomsmen. But uh, John uh, was very different than I. He was Trinidadian. He was different. He's a, he's a Trinidadian guy. He's black as black could be. But on the inside, he's white. So, so on the inside... On the inside, like he loves white women, like he, you know, he's just a white guy. But on, but on the outside, he, you know, you can't, you cannot tell unless you get to know him. We joke about, we joke. Anyway, let me keep going. But anyway, John, I love John. I wish he was here today. But, but, but John was a little different. Uh, and so, and so when we became roommates. Uh, it was very challenging for me because I was reading all these scriptures about doing for one another and loving one another and all those things. And I was like, well, well, you know, um, it sure doesn't mean for him. It just means for the rest of the world because I'm called to be a preacher. So I'm called to be a pastor. So I'm in preparation for what God wants to do through my life. But, but never did it dawn on me that I needed to start with a person that was right next to me. And it wasn't until one time I was praying and I was like, well, God, you know, Use me, have your way in me, do whatever you want through me. And then the next thing I heard God say, and this is weird, I didn't hear an audible voice, but inside my heart, he was like, share your clothes. I'm like, my clothes? But that is my clothes. We ain't even the same size, Jesus. Nevertheless, I started looking at John, and I started saying, man, the reason he ain't getting no girls is because of his wardrobe. So let me help him out. I kid you not, that changed that man's life. It changed that man's life. Anyway, so I started sharing. It was hard for me to do it at first, but I started to learn how to love somebody else by loving the person that was right next to me. And then it had to be this big thing at a big school, and it had to be this big church. It didn't have to be this huge event. I didn't have to preach to multiple hundreds of people. There was one person right next to me that I could practice these principles with and just love him unconditionally, give to him unconditionally, not expect anything back. And the craziest thing happened. God did such work in me as a result of just loving on John that, that it, was, it was lopsided. It, it, what I was receiving was lopsided to what I was given. I, was, I felt like I had given so little and received so much as a result. Such is God, right? But everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, Jesus doesn't only tell you uh, what to do, but then he shows you what to do with what you just heard. Then verse 25 says that the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat that against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Foundational. You can now pray your way out of a mess you behaved yourself into, but you can follow your way out. You can now pray your way out of a mess that you behaved yourself into, but you can follow Jesus right out of that mess. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're in a mess, and then you say, God, get me out of this mess. There's not going to be a poof, what do you need, and now you're out of the mess, right? It's going to require you to follow Jesus out of your mess. And sometimes following, if the hole is deep enough, it's going to require uh, some, some consistent following outside of what you feel at 8.30 a.m. in the morning. God will meet you, excuse me, in the mess 
We know it because it's what Jesus did. We know because this is, this room, in this room are men and women whose stories are just like yours. I messed up. There's people in here who have stories that I gave up. There's people in this room who, you know, I looked and I shouldn't have. I went and I shouldn't have gone. I said and I shouldn't have said. I spent when I shouldn't have spent all over this room. I would say 99.9%. But then they will all say in some capacity, but then God showed up. And I'm walking with him out of this mess. Many of those people will tell you that it took the mess to arrange the meeting with God. It took them hitting rock bottom for them to look up and say, God, help. It took the marriage to collide and fight for them to say, God, help me in my marriage. It took uh, uh, discomfort at their current church for, them to, for you to say, God, help me. What am I supposed to do with my life? There's got to be more. So I'm going to ask you to do something similar to what Jesus asked Matthew and Zacchaeus uh, and the woman at the well to do. Today, I'm just going to ask you, ask you when, Quincy, if you come up, uh, I'm going to ask you when we pray for you to make that prayer on the inside of you, for you to say, God, I need you to help me get out of my mess. And it's not going to happen overnight, but my hope is that today we'll begin a journey of you following Jesus out of whatever mess that you are in. Because if there's anything that I know is that God is able, there's no problem too big for him. There's no situation that he doesn't know. Tell me one thing that's impossible for God. I think he could do it all. So whatever you find yourself in, whatever invisible prison that is in front of you that nobody can see but you know that you're bound to, I'm here to tell you today that God can help with those invisible bars because they're really real to you and maybe it's fear uh, maybe it's rejection and you you're trapping these in, in, in your past living and you're trapped in in a, in a picture of what life should be i'm here to tell you that our the picture of life that we might have in our in our minds and in our heart might not be god's vision for your life and, and it might just take god to show you something better and i'm here to tell you that he can and it all starts with the person that's closest to you and God can help us, and, follow, and we can follow Jesus out of the mess. Will you stand with me so that I can pray with you this morning? John 3, 17. God did not come to this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. What an awesome thought that God came to save us from our mess. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that as we stand here and some of us have questions about our faith and God and Christianity and we're not convinced about the whole thing, but something in us is clear on the fact that, there's, that, that we need more. And so today, God, we pray that as, as we draw near to you, that you would do like your word says and draw near to us. In whatever way it is that the people, individual people in here need it, I pray your grace over this church, over your people, over the families. God, I pray for every marriage. I pray that you would strengthen marriages today. That the woman wouldn't just be the happy one or the husband wouldn't just be the happy one. But God, together, they would find purpose. I thank you for your grace over our children. I pray your grace over our finances. May we trust you in that area, Lord. And I just pray, God, that as we leave here, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. And that we would start with the person that's right next to us. 
We love you in this, for this opportunity to gather as a church. And I pray that if there's any needy among us, if there's any who is ill or hurt, God, if, if there's anybody who is bound, I pray that you do what only you could do. And set the captive free, Lord, and heal the sick. We trust you to do what only you can do. And we love you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. Amen. Maybe seated for 30 more seconds. Do some church aerobics. Get them hamstrings and them quads. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming today. I hope that you heard something that was helpful. You know, my prayer is that you would look for that person that you're supposed to start with. And look at scripture. What does it say? And then say, look at the person next to me and say, I'm going to go ahead and try that. Look at the Bible and say, what does it say? And look at the person next to me and say, I'm going to try that, even though it's hard. God bless you. I love you. Don't forget your children. Our giving station is to my left, your right. Please don't forget your children. I love you. We'll see you next week for part three of Address the Mess.